Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And now, for the first time, we are bringing to you the full story of what happened on that fateful day. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. The incidents, the places. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Let us punish the guilty. Let us reward the innocent. My friend, can your heart stand the shocking facts about Radio Mysterioso. Hey, it's Radio Mysterioso. I can't hear myself. Oh, there we go. And we're back after... No, I was here last week. Yeah, I was here. Um, playing music. Did you listen to that, Walter? I think I caught part of it. There we that's go, it. that's it. I can't remember. I think I listened to part of it. Yeah, I was playing music. Did you see this picture that uh, Paul put up of me? <laughs> yeah. You saw that? Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. That's just pictures from the movie. If the shape is long and tubular, boys will be boys. <laughs> You know, the the, uh, the genetic engineers really, really laid down some serious programming on that, you know. Cause the, the big uh, fuzzy. The, well, the, the, whole, the whole male um, ob- obsession with the, the, the weapon. Oh. Look at mine. <laughs> See how big. Oh, oh you, mean, you mean the um, alien uh, the phallic genetic tom- engineers yeah. that design humans. It, it resulted in our phallic tomfoolery. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's. Oh, I don't know. It's uh, it, humans aren't. Uh, they're 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 in heat all the time, as opposed to other animals. Yeah. Are primates in heat all the time, or just humans? Oh, I, I think primates are. Well, wait a minute. I don't know. Maybe humans are the only ones that are actually ready to go all the time. I think there's a few other species that are. But the female of our look what species, we're talking about here. Yeah, the female of our species. Uh, it all comes down to dick jokes. Who said that? <laughs> <laughs> um, the female of our species, they don't pick up objects and say, you know, put it in front of them and say, look at my vagina. <laughs> it's just guys. We do that with... Well, there's nothing really, you know, easily moldable as, as saying, look at, look, at my wo- look at my vagina. It's just like, what? What, are they going to pick up a piece of cheese with a hole in it? And say, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's not quite the same as bragging about your penis. Yeah. It's just it's just there to be bragged about. There's a picture of uh, that Paul Kimball put up on um, Facebook of me with a boom mic sticking out of my crotch. Because I was I was standing there holding it between my knees, and Paul said, "Hey, look at that!" And, I, and then I pulled it up, and I said, "Hey, look at this!" And he took a picture right when I was doing it. I think so. There's a large, like twelve inch long boom mic uh, uh, shield. It's the windscreen on the boom mic, is it? 
just big when, hairy just when people thing. begin to take you seriously. <laughs> I don't want anybody taking me seriously. <laughs> Uh, Walter, we're we're going we're going to talk about Walter's book here in a second, but I asked him a minute ago. Um, I will not be here for the next two weeks. I will be in Italy and Turkey. Turkey, which is bordered by Syria, Iraq, Iran, and what Uzbekistan, Kurdistan, one of the stands. However, on the other side, all it's bordered by, I think, maybe is Greece and the sea. Yes. Um. Oh yeah, it's Greece. Cause, yeah, I'm not counting the um, the what's the sea? Is it the Caspian Sea? What I believe, Black Sea, the Black and the Caspian border, yeah. Turkey. Anyway, um, we'll be in Istanbul, which is as far away from any of those places as you can get. It's on the Mediterranean. Um, so I was asking Walter, since he is a a uh, world traveler of some renown, um, what to do and look out for while we are in Turkey. And here's a beer for you. Oh, hey. A Negro Why, Modelo. Thank you. I like this. Why, speaking of travel, this, <laughs> I, I drank plenty of these when on the uh, couple of Wexico trips I took with our friend uh, David <laughs> Wexico. So what about Turkey? Turkey. Um, well, uh, it is uh, very healthy. You have to watch the tryptophan. Uh, if you eat too much of it, you'll get sleepy. Uh-huh. It's excellent when it's cut deli style um, on a sandwich. Make sure you use, of course, real mayonnaise. What about when it's prepared? Um, what was it? Duck stuffed in chicken, stuffed in turkey. Turducken. Have you heard of that one? I've never. Are you serious? Yeah. People, something? look it up. Turducken. Hmm. Are you that sorry? It's oh. in. That's really good for yeah. some reason tonight. Oh, it's been a while since I've had one of these. Yeah. Oh, so what about the country? <laughs> ah, I've only been in Turkey, Turkey by a. proxy because I had a Turkish girlfriend. <laughs> that sounds um, like a, that, there's a whole other tributary <laughs> that we'll wait on. Um, it's a place I'd like to go to, be, obviously, because of the history. Uh, I haven't been there yet. Um, uh, the food's great. You'll like if you know if you like Greek and Mediterranean food, you'll like Turkish food, of course. I do. It's not my favorite, but I do enjoy it. Yeah, you'll you'll like it. Um, I don't even know what my least favorite you. food I, is. I'd Ethiopian like food. God, I hate Ethiopian food. Fucking horrible. Haven't had it. It tastes it. It tastes like I don't know what it tastes like. It, it tastes like um, vegetable gruel spread, and they have the stuff they call bread that they spread it on. Yeah. It tastes like vegetable like gruel. Spread on rubber. Is that why they're so skinny? Yeah, I, I went <laughs> exactly. I went to a Tur- uh, Turkish, Ethiopian restaurant with a kind of a new agey hippieish friend of mine. He said this is the best food. You'll love it. And I was like, okay. So we went to one place, and I I said this stuff's terrible. Like he said, okay, we'll just eat an appetizer here, and we'll go to the next place, which is even better. So we went. This was in the little Ethiopia area down on Fairfax, right? Yeah, with all the stores and travel agencies and mm-hmm. everything there. I think every Ethiopian restaurant in L.A. is on that one block. There's like five of them. So we went to the other one, equally terrible to me. And we walked out of that, and I said, no wonder they're all starving. The food is terrible. <laughs> oh, that's all. He did not like that joke. Mm-hmm. Was he an Ethiopian friend? No, no. Oh, just sensitive. Yes. Sensitive. Have we ever discussed the... He, he told me people should be thrown in jail for engaging in hate speech, and I said, what, what, what? Oh, for crying out loud, please. 
So we, we, a friend of mine and I had a discussion with him. He's like, well, who determines what's hate speech? Well, you know, anything that makes you feel bad. And I said, you're making me feel bad by disagreeing with me. Is that hate speech? He said, you know what I'm talking about. I said, no, I don't, actually. Are you still friends with this individual? Yes. That's interesting. No, I mean, people can agree to disagree. It's all right. I have disagreements with all my friends on, on various things, from anything from something totally innocuous to something fairly important. And I don't, you know, I don't. As long as they're not dogmatic and say, you must believe what I believe for us right. to be friends, then well, I don't right. care, and they don't either. That, that's, that's an enlightened attitude, and I like that. I mean, if I had to, what, what if you had to walk around your whole life and just agreeing with everybody you knew? You never learn anything. No. And it would be less interesting, too. Well, uh, the good thing is you probably won't get any Ethiopian food in Turkey. No. So what do we look out for in Turkey besides... Uh, well, I told you the basics. Uh, well, I wanted you to sanitizer. repeat it on the air. Um, always, always with the hand sanitizer before meals and any time you feel you think you need it. Um, and uh, always with bottled water, a brand that you recognize if you can find it. Yeah, Nestle's, my parents had been there and they said, yeah, bottled water, bottled yeah, water. Bottle. Nestle's you can find internationally, um, you know, and it's pretty safe. But they're baby killers. Well... Um, and of course, never use ice. Right. Uh, brush your teeth with the bottled water. Right. Never deviate from that. Close your mouth and eyes in the shower. Um, live without salad while you're there. Oh God, that's gonna hurt. Oh. Yeah. Um. E I would eat fresh meat, but I'd steer away from anything that you think is like that might have been frozen. Okay. Um. Like McDonald's. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I say that, and I've eaten at, uh, you know, Burger King and McDonald's throughout the Middle East. Oh, well, I would never eat at an American fast food place in another country because it seems stupid to me. The one time I got anything. Well, unless I was there for like months. I was like, oh, geez, yeah. I really like a hamburger for once. Well, yeah, when you're there, like, you know, like I used to, like I was traveling for a while there, it was for a month at a time, you know, yeah. practically every month of the year um, or several months of the year. Yeah, you get a hankering. I had a um, one of the few times I ate at the U.S. Embassy at any U.S. Embassy was in Amman, Jordan, and I had a patty melt, and it was with you know your frozen hamburger patty thing, and that's where I ha ended up having diarrhea for three days because eating at our own embassy when I was eating oh, out on the town. The, they use the <laughs> no local problem. catering, right? Uh, no, they it's shipped in, and <laughs> where people in parts of the world where they're really good at. At butchering and handling fresh meat, yeah, I mean, like they're, the they're Middle East, because it's so good. Like the Middle East, they don't get the frozen thing. They don't get that once it thaws, you gotta cook it. You know, you can't do the refreeze and and yeah. whatever. Let it sit around for a while. So I was lucky. It you know it wasn't worse, but uh, well, they did give us um, Cipro in case the diarrhea or whatever got bad over. You do three have days. Cipro on you. Yes. Good. Okay. Now <clears> I, and I okay. got some Imodium. <laughs> Here's the thing. Um, the doctors for the outfit I was traveling with and working for, they preferred to let you have the runs and the diarrhea for a couple of days to get the bug out of you because their big complaint with things like Imodium or Kaopectate was it kept it all inside of you. Oh. And, it, you know, it was longer. But since you're only going to be there for less than a week... Yeah, four you, days. You want, you want to be comfortable. You can always deal with getting the bug out later. But hopefully right. you won't get a bug. Yeah. Welcome to Radio Mysterioso, where we talk about travel. Yes. 
Um, Walter hasn't been here for a long time because he has, uh, he's very busy, and, and um, I'm not important to him anymore. Oh, <laughs> listen to you. You sound like, you sound like a wife. No. Um, Walter, actually, since we first started doing the shows together, got involved in a lot more things and put himself out and has been writing his butt off. And that yeah. means he has a life and doesn't have to come in here and say, hmm, what should I do this week? He's got plenty to do. And one of the things he's been doing is writing this uh, novel based on a nonfiction project he was working on, which we can either mention or not, but I've yeah, already we, mentioned we, it. we can mention it. Uh, it has to do with a mystery that took place in uh, what is called the Inland Empire. Not the film by David Lynch, but the actual Inland Empire of the Southern California, Los Angeles area, uh, specifically in um, San Bernardino Redlands area, which is about... In Riverside. Riverside, yes, which the, is the, about the, the mystery 30 minutes east of downtown L.A. Maybe more than 30 minutes. 60. 60 minutes, maybe 40 miles. Yeah. No, it's 72 miles from Cal State to the federal building on Wilshire Oh, okay, Boulevard. then it's a... Okay, then it's about six, it's, six, it's 60, 60 to 70 miles. The freeway signs in San Bernardino say Los Angeles, 60 miles. Oh, okay. So well, then it's about 60 miles east. Yeah. Anyway, splitting hairs on that, mm -hmm. um, Walter found out some strange happenings going on there in the uh, aughts and teens. No, just the aughts, I guess. The teens. The teens of the 20th century, mm -hmm. um, which, if you read the book, is fascinating. However... I told Walter after I read this book, which is called Somewhere in Time, and is available right no, now. No, it's not. I, I see you in, I'll see you in time. I will see you in time. Somewhere in Time is the uh, movie it, with Christopher... Uh, uh, Christopher Reeve. Reeve. It is the masterpiece by Richard Matheson, yeah. which is number two in the great trilogy travel. of time travel, my book being the third. <laughs> right. I will see, I I'll see you in time, or I will... Is it just I'll... Uh, I will see, see you, you in time. In time. I just read the book. I didn't read the title as much. Although it is on every page, isn't it? No, it doesn't. The one you gave me just says uh, Walter Bosley, copyright 2011, something like that. Yeah, that, that's the... Anyway. Yeah. And, of course, it will be banned in China. Do you know why? No. China has banned any stories about time travel. Oh, I heard That is not that. a joke. What is up with that? They said that it disrespects history and tries to change it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I know you know where I'm going with this, but let's pause. Yes, I know you know let, where you're let, going Let's pause for a moment and let me say this. China, of all places, is talking about disrespecting history. Yes, yes, exactly. Oh, my God. Okay, go ahead. They have banned any stories or movies having to do with time travel. So you've got a whole market there that is closed off to you now. No, i got the black market A billion now. people. Oh, yes, of course. I've got the black market now. So it'll sell even better. Because it's um, What I was telling Walter was that since all rules and bets are off in fiction, well, not all, but it was, I enjoyed that book because, one, because I'd read the nonfiction one first. Yes. The second one sort of puts it in perspective, but also makes a few points and is actually um, it's fun because it, it it plays with all the concepts put forward in the nonfiction book, which is is still um, going through the publisher process at this publisher it's, vetting it's the, process. The, the final editorial phase, right? Um, leading, we're, we're real close to going through the publisher process. So the story involves. Um, the time travel, basically, since the, hence the title. I'd like to say that the nonfiction book has nothing to do with time travel. No, not at all. Time travel is the is the theme hook of that the makes novel. the novel yeah. work. Right. 
uh, because it makes it a lot easier for you to describe differing events mm-hmm. um, in different times and tie them together. It's got murder. It's got uh, spiritualism, occultism, uh, uh, espionage. Uh, I'm surprised a certain occultist did not appear in the novel that I could tell. Nope. Um, I'm Although also, he's in the nonfiction book. Yes. And... Um, I particularly like the reanimation scene, which I finally read today. You, you, you very, that would huh? be a very good scene in a movie. <laughs> and I know that when you're writing a fictional book or even a nonfiction book <laughs> these days, publishers and everybody else want you to write it to be adapted into a movie oh, very abso- quickly. Absolutely, why not? And I really, as you could tell, I enjoyed the hell out of writing that part. That part, that part was one of those parts where the characters took it and they led me. You know what I imagined was, uh, because the guy you said was sort of dried and mummified or whatever, mm-hmm. um, I thought of the... And don't uh, slip up and say who he is. No. Okay. Not at all. But the, the look of it, for some reason, you know that um, those people they find preserved in bogs in uh, England? <laughs> yeah. They're kind of like, they almost look bronze mm-hmm. or something. They're just very, they're kind of metallic looking. Right. That's the image I got of that figure. If I was seeing it in a movie. Well, I had a lot of fun with that. I had a lot of fun with the whole novel. and um, So what's it about? About 300 pages. And what is the subject matter? The subject that- matter. Um, I Will See You in Time is a novel about a guy who is a former federal agent. What? He's uh, hit uh, kind of rock bottom in his life you know, um, in, in different ways. And he's miserable. He's cynical. And he's, he just really is just about losing his uh, desire to live when a mysterious stranger enters his life and invites him to join a group, a secret group of individuals who use very special old carousels to travel through time. Why carousels? The carousels, if, uh, if you go back, if you recall, the Disneyland book, which I know you do, um, some of the listeners might recall it, I explored the concept of a carousel being applied to a ley line and um, using torsion to open up doorways to other dimensions. In the novel, the carousels are placed in key locations, specifically on ley lines, and through torsion they allow one to travel through time. And this secret group, they use these carousels to do so and essentially fight evil, you know, just the classic, you know, try to stop certain things, try to maybe stop other people from changing certain things. I don't really get into the the typical themes of... You know, the prime directive of, oh, you're going to change history, you're going to mess with things. I, I, th- that's not what the novel was about. Um, as a matter of fact, the, the character tries. He, he learns the lesson of trying to use time travel to change something on a personal level. Yeah. And well, what I was thinking of when I read it was that the, my thing about time travel... Because everybody's going to... You bring your own kind of background to reading of anything. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I don't think that rule can be broken anymore if you subscribe to the theory of parallel realities, parallel time streams, parallel streams of whatever mm-hmm. you want, causality. Sure. Where every possibility is 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 occurring all the time. Well, here's my um, 
take on it, though, is... So when they jump off the carousel, they could be jumping into, you know, a time stream that's separate from the one that they left in 19-whatever, 15. Yeah, but you can only experience one reality at a time. I, I do believe that. I, I believe that one of the things that makes us special as individuals is I that I think we, we're jumping them continually. We may be. We may be. Like jumping on a different rail of a train yard. Sure. But I think what makes those other alternate realities real is if we are physically there to experience them. I think if we're not there, therefore, they do not materialize. So there is only ever one reality for us at any given time. Right, right. Now, well, to from me, your the point idea, of view, yes. To me, the idea of other dimensions is different than other realities. Oh, yes, most definitely. But a lot of people get those mixed up. To me, different realities is a horizontal thing, and different dimensions is more like a vertical thing, if you want to put it. a spectrum. I think of it as a spectrum. Whereas there's really actually one big reality, but depending upon how attuned you are to the, the full length of the spectrum, you experience more and move more within the full scope of reality, which we might see as an alternate dimension, but actually it's not. It's, oh, okay. it's well, part you're, of our yeah. reality, but it's you're you're tapping into. Um, it's like you know, it's like sound where the average human, you know, there's certain sounds we can't hear, but animals can hear. Right. It's like that. If you if you could learn how to hear those sounds, you could hear those sounds that are there. We just don't, under normal circumstances, realize. I, it. I, I see what you're saying, but when you say a, a, a different dimension, I'm thinking dimensions. Um, you know, length, breadth, width. Uh, there's probably uh, time, that too. Um, there's and probably that too. Whenever past that, and that has nothing to do with with uh, uh, different reality streams. To me, right. those those are enfolded within those those right. the the time space thing. Right. And, and before I forget, I want to say that the story doesn't end just, it's not just a big guy fest, you know, agents with guns using cool contraptions to do this, you know, stuff through time. The, the, the story is, has a heavy romantic theme, too. Yeah. Um, this is a guy who's cynical, and he's particularly cynical about women. women he's very cynical about women, and I noticed that, and I was thinking, you were saying to me, I think women will really like the romantic stuff, and I agree with you. Because some some will, he, um, but then on the other hand, you've got him saying, "Good damn women!" Rah, 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 rah. Well, yeah, and so what? If, uh, here's the deal: it's a novel, and and I'm and you know this. I'm trying to set up a character, and I'm trying to set that up so that when he does meet, you know, when he the, does, it's go through perfectly these passions, acceptable that somebody would be like that. There's plenty of people. Oh that my are god, just like yeah, that. and and so that it's more believable the impact that finding this romance, finding this woman has right, on him. Right, You know, I mean, if, 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 you know, if there's any female he can be readers very, out there... Yeah, he's are, very cynical, but he finds somebody that works for him. Exactly. Um, and uh, she's no dummy. Um, she's just a woman. Yeah, it sounds but like I don't want to say too like much. the character has more problems with, like, stupid people than women in general. Exactly, yes. exactly. And, and I don't want to say too much because... You know, the fact that he finds somebody and who she is is a bit of a, a something that you want to experience. Yeah, well, it's fairly it autobiographical, the, the way the yes. character is developed. Because yeah. You know, I start reading, and if you've been listening to the show and listening to Walter, you start reading the novel, and you've already been backgrounded on what that character is before you, <laughs> you even start. But there's enough there that if you don't, that it's, uh, it's well, the, fairly easy to pick up. The character um, that is in San Diego who's also in San Francisco when he goes into the past. Yes. Yes. She's a real woman. She's a real yes. person in my life. You even life. used her real name, I think. Yeah, in the one section. Well, yeah. you used part of her real name. Yeah, in the one... Well, the most recognizable part. 
Anybody who knows me is going to read yeah. and laugh at me, and um, that's okay. Um, but the story, the interesting thing, and we'll get into this as we talk, but um, the, the, the novel came to me, it practically wrote itself. Um, big por- a big chunk of it is based on the research I did and the material in the book that I co-wrote with Richard B. Spence. Yes. Um, and But a big chunk of it, particularly the San Francisco storyline stuff, that actually came to me in the best way I can describe it is a burst transmission while investigating ley lines up in San Francisco. Yes. Yeah, you told me about some I, of this I mean, when it I mean, happened. We're, well, we're, right after it happened. Yeah, we're, we're talking the, 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 the basics of the San Francisco storyline when you read the novel. That's what came to me in these very vivid images. And before I started writing the novel, long before I even got the idea to write the novel, this came to me. And my impression was is that these were true events that had really happened. And I decided, well, you know, I'm going to put this in the novel because it, it, it's got, I've got to put it down somehow. I've got yeah. to document it. And it fits. And then well, also there was uh, some of it uh, is based upon my personal experiments I've done with carousels on ley lines as well. So for those, if if you without giving too much away, what mm-hmm. you normally do when somebody says, well, you've written a book, what's this book about? Yeah. If I was to ask you, Walter, what is this book about, what happens in it, and you could describe it so people would want to read it and not give it away, okay. which is what you would do. What would you say? What is this novel about and uh, what happens? It's in a nutshell. In the, the, the one sentence what this book is about is a man who uh, redeems his faith in life. A man who... Re- On Facebook it says people you may know, Mark Pauline. You know who he is? No. He runs Survival Research Labs, a place that make those giant robots that fight each other and... Oh. Uh, and uh, and they've been doing it since like the eighties. I used to go to their oh, okay. shows in the eighties and watch their giant robots fight each other. Oh, okay. He, he blew his hand off with an explosive oh, once, and that's like, not good. One of two his fing- one's a thumb, and two of them are like toes or something because his hand was so disfigured. Dang. So he shakes his hand with the with the deformed with hand. a it's, foot. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. That's interesting. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. Um, the novel is about a man who redeems his uh, faith in life through discovery. Through revelation, um, I'm trying to formulate this. He, 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 he through having through um, having his eyes open and seeing a wider spectrum of reality. Right. Uh, the character goes through a change. Yeah, that's. I'm, I'm trying to put it in one sentence, but um, uh, if if you go to Amazon.com Kindle and look at the book, or it's now available in print at Lulu.com, you will see the synopsis of what the novel's about. And at the same time, you can purchase it. Uh, but anyway, um, it's really about a guy who, who regains his faith through um, revelation of the fantastic and his encounters with um, a woman from his past and another woman. A cynical former government agent is recruited by a secret organization that uses special carousels to travel through time and discovers the truth about his own past, as well as the, as well as an unexpected true love. Written in the tradition of Jack Finney and Richard Matheson, the author is a former federal agent who has experienced time-related synchronicity and other associated phenomena. I'd like to add too that you know to to, to finally 
the final comment on the whole thing about his cynicism with the women thing is that he actually regains his faith and, and gets a renewed interest in adventure in life through his experience with these female characters. So again, you know, as Greg said, don't be put off by his grouchiness, his curmudgeonness, because um, it doesn't last that long, and um, he actually changes. You know, and you know what the hell? By gosh, it's good for the ladies to read that once in a while. You know, they don't need to have their butts kissed constantly. It ain't good for anybody. I haven't kissed any woman's butt in years. That's why you're a happy man. Uh, well, not figuratively, anyway. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but there's um, there was something in there that. What in the uh, synopsis? You're the interviewer. You asked the question. <laughs> no, I was wait. I I did not write any questions down. One because I I finished reading it basically this morning, and two because I was out uh, most of the day. Um, why the carousels? Well, as you know, I've been intrigued with the idea of that. Obviously, I've written a book. And w- what purpose do they serve in the novel? Even though we read it there. They are the mechanism by which uh, the characters travel through time. They open the doorways to being able to jump um, into other years. And do you actually believe this? Uh, I'm in the investigative phase. I would like to think that it's possible. I have experimented with it and have had some interesting results and one of them actually appears in the book if you recall um, he when he's on the carousel he sees a little girl on a boardwalk yes oh is that from uh, Richard Sennett no okay no I experienced that okay through my own experiments on the carousel at Castle Park and Riverside I wrote it multiple times took notes and um, on probably my fourth or fifth experiment, I didn't bring the, the book with me, I um, saw a very uh, lucid vision in my mind. My eyes were closed. Um, I was on a boardwalk, which all I can say reminded me of that place on the lake in Utah where Carnival of Souls was filmed. You know, it, it was a place like that where it was a wide expanse and there was a boardwalk. <laughs> it's the part where he goes back to San Diego the first time in 1927. And what I, what, what I did was the, the actual vision I had was a, a little girl of about 100 years ago. And she, I, I, I was seeing this as I was on the carousel, about, like I said, my fourth or fifth you know, test, experiment, you might say, on this old carousel located uh, adjacent to a ley line that runs through Riverside area. And um, what I saw clearly was this little girl, and what was interesting was she saw me. She distinctly walked up to me and smiled. And What, but uh, it, it, what is the context of seeing this girl? What happened? What what do you mean? What by led context? up to seeing this girl? Your context. I was on the, this old carousel. Right. Um, <clears throat> I would I would go on and I would focus, concentrate. I close my eyes, and I began to smell the sea air. 
Yeah. I smelled heavily the, the sea air. Now, we get the marine layer in Southern California, so right. I thought, okay, I'm catching the marine layer. And then in my mind, I saw a very, very vivid scene of this. I can see it now in my head, a boardwalk with a huge barn type of barn size type of structure um, and this little girl in this little frilly dress of like, you know, 100 years ago, like little girls would wear and the right. curly little hair. And she's kind of blondish and she's just standing there smiling at me. And it kind of startled me because she had what I thought were like rotting teeth. So I thought, oh, my God, I'm looking at a dead girl. And I thought she was so you were, one of my you victims. So you consciously my, saw this? Yeah. I, I, looking I, my, out my, from... I, no, my eyes were closed, but oh, okay, I was awake. okay, okay, okay. I, I was on the carousel. All right, I get it. And she's there, and she's looking at me, and she smiles, and she was kind of pale, and she had like what I felt thought were rotting teeth. Initially, I thought I was looking at the little girl who's one of the murder victims in my nonfiction book that I talk about. Okay? Right, right. I thought, oh, okay, I'm getting a little visit by a ghost or whatever, or imagining it. And when I did a little research, um, and, and this was thanks to Sachery, because I told him about this, he said, you know, um, dentists, dentistry, back then, they used to just let kids' teeth rot out. Ah. And I looked into this, and, and there's some truth to that, that, that what I was seeing was, you know, what a typical, many children, what their teeth actually looked like back then, because, you know, they were that green kind of icky, you know, which you don't see too much anymore, no. at least not in the States and, in, you know, Western Europe and stuff like that because, you know, all the just the health The advances in dental uh, yeah. me, me, dentistry and so it oral made, medicine. It made sense that I was looking at, you know, a little girl from about 100 years or so ago and she was looking at me. And, yeah. I, and, and, and again, in the opinion of Mr. Hari, he thinks that, he, in his opinion, I slipped... And she indeed saw me. And it might have been where that carousel was originally located. Which was on the East Coast? I don't know. Oh. I've got I've, I, the research. I haven't been able to find where it was located 100 years ago or so, you know, thereabouts. Here, here, and here you mentioned something that sounds like another theory of uh, apparitional ghost thing. Somebody who is alive but basically meditating on things and... The Richard Collier method of time travel, essentially, that was used in Somewhere in Time. Right. Yeah, and maybe that's where I got that idea from. I thought that at some point, the, if time travel will be perfect or it has been, it will be a mental thing. You won't be actually sitting in a machine and then stepping out. And, 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 and you know, when, when I first saw that movie, which I love, by the way. Uh, yeah. Some girl who was trying to pick me up once took me to her house to watch that. Hey, there you go. And um, I, I honestly... Didn't I, work I was out, not, I'm sorry to say. Oh, Right, come on. I she wasn't attractive to me. Oh, well, I'm in that club, too. She was, um, she was really cool, and we were good friends, but it's like one of those things where you know for years afterward that they're just kind of waiting. <laughs> I'm not, I, you know, because, I, because I'm actually a more sensitive guy than I used to be, you know, say five years ago, believe it or not. I'm not going to say how, but um, one time I had a cousin say, oh, I got, I'm going to fix you up. I got a gal. We'll go out and... She's got a friend, blah, blah, blah. This will be a sure thing. Okay, you know, a couple of single guys swinging dicks, that kind of thing. We go out, and let's just say this woman was exceedingly unattractive to me. And he just he was just perplexed. It, the, the, I like the to-me part. It, it, yeah. it, was a, it was a cousin of mine, 
And my uncle told me he was laughing about it, and he says, "Yeah, he 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 just could not figure it out why you didn't go in and spend the night with that gal." And I said, "You know who he fixed me up?" And he goes, "Yeah, I know." And I told him that that that's the one type of woman you're just not attracted to, and he should have known better. And and but. Anyway, I understand that you know if you're if I, I'm not one of those guys you know if well, I'm not, if I'm not attracted end, I'm not going there. Anyway. I've been on the other end of that many a time, so it's not like it's a woman thing exclusively. Oh, you're saying that even men you're not attracted to you? No, no, yeah. I mean on the other end being. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I, why the carousels? Why, why the carousels? How how do, we, how do we meander into these things? Because anyway. I made a comment yeah. through, threw us off, threw us off the rails. <laughs> Because uh, you were, t- I was saying, well, that sounds like a a, a uh, idea I have for time travel, where it's going to be mental. Yeah, no, we were talking about somewhere in time. What I was trying to say about somewhere in time was I was never really enamored with his method of time travel. I always, I've always been more enchanted by the idea of a machine. Yeah, well, um, I, who wouldn't I, I, be? I guess it's more egalitarian. You know, if you know well, where the machine is, you know how to yeah. work the machine. Well, Anybody that and we're it. we're. <clears throat> Enamored of the idea that machines and, and technology can do. We're anything. very um, Western and specifically American in that regard. Yes. You know, we uh, build a machine that can do it, and I still believe in the idea of a time. Why machine. does that woman hate me? I think I'll build a machine to make her like me. Yes. yes. So um, uh, the carousel, you know, just uh, because also of my research, I thought, well, the carousel, it just seemed natural. It seemed like a perfect. Uh, device for time travel. I'd kind of already gone there, theoretically. Because so it seems like not? this thing where somebody has this incredibly great inspiration and how how romantic and cute would it be to have time travel happen? But you didn't do it that way. You came at it from a almost a practical... Well, I had the experience in 1981, which is well documented in Latitude 33, Key to the Kingdom, which is um, uh, legally... And uh, properly and ethically only available at kevinsmithshow.com as a, as a download. Um, I will say that it has been pirated um, as a free download. And I would appreciate it if you want to read the book. Um, you know, don't, just please don't get it for free because there's a lot of writers and creators out there that are losing the, the fruit of their labor no. because that philosophy, I'll call it. Um, but uh, Latitude 33, Key to the Kingdom. Um, gets into the mechanics of how this works. Um, in the book, in the novel, I should say, I kind of purposely don't go there too deeply because I cover that in another book. Right. But also, I kind of wa- I kind of wanted the time travel part. I didn't want them to get too much into their medicine, their magic. I I, I wanted it to. I wanted the story to focus on the human drama element. Um, and uh, I, I just didn't want it to be a technical science fiction. The, the novel just wasn't the place to explain it. I feel like I've sufficiently explained it in the Disneyland book, Latitude 33. Right. But, um, you know, I had that experience, the personal experience at Disneyland, and then um, this novel was written during probably the most interesting phase of my life, which has been the last five, six years that you've heard firsthand. You've seen me go through it. Um, it, it just some weird stuff started happening uh, about this time I learned remote viewing, and that opened me up to all sorts and all any manner of strangeness, high strangeness and synchronicity, and, and really kind of lifted a veil off my eyes and showed me 
uh, uh, glimpses of the fabric of reality. Yeah. And this novel is a product of that, but it, it, it on in the course of jumping in and investigating this fabric of reality, I started doing these experiments with the old carousel, and I had my experiences with it, and then, subsequent to that, I decided to write the novel. Um, excuse me. Um, as a matter of fact, I didn't decide to write the novel until after I had already discovered what I had discovered and is written about in the nonfiction book. Right. So I, I had really been into this for a year before I started writing the novel. I wrote the novel mostly in 2010 and then, or late 2009 going into 2010. And then I set it aside. Um, I had about two thirds, three quarters of it written. Um, and then set it aside for almost a year, many, many months, and then decided I needed to finish it after I finished the nonfiction book. And, right. And I'm you know, kind of pleased with where it went. How's it selling so far? It was last month my company's number one seller. And, um, I'll see you in time, really. I will see you in time was Lost Continent Library's number one seller. And that's just, and it was only available on Amazon.com as a Kindle book. Right. And it was outselling everything else. Um, my, my next bestseller, The Wonder of the World's Trilogy, the Sesheree books, including The Handprint of Atlas, his nonfiction book, those are selling like, you know, proverbial hotcakes, you know, compared to my other titles. But my other titles are, I just love Amazon. I love Kindle. <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing my best results there than I have anywhere. But the novel is now. Um, just in the last less than a week, available at lulu.com in a print-on-demand edition because I know there's some people that don't like reading digital books, so it's finally available printed. And uh, right now it's on sale at a 20% discount at lulu.com so, oh. um, as a printed book. But Amazon Kindle, um, because of my bad experiences with people who feel like intellectual property should be free, I'm probably not going to offer it in any kind of PDF format. Because it's just too easy for to buy, right? um, yeah. Well, a person to buy and then just go out there posting, you know, and say, "Here, everybody, just read it." Um, on one of these pirate sites, the Disneyland book had twenty thousand downloads confirmed. That's just one of those pirated sites. So, for all I know, it could be five times that, which is well, great. But I don't know if I don't know if web bots can download books or make it appear like they have. So, who knows? And and I, and I don't know enough about the technology to, you know, all I know is what I read on there. But um, Kindle and print-on-demand right now. So um, it's people are responding. Have you been on any of the shows besides this one to talk about it? Uh, yes. I was what? on... What? <laughs> well, I did. I, 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 was, I was on another show, and we talked about a lot of things. I didn't talk a whole lot about the book. You know, but at least I got to pitch it, you know, so yeah. people knew it was out there. And then um, I was on the, uh, an, an yet another show where um, we talked pretty much about the book and, and the related stuff. But, I'm just um, joking, Walter. you gotta, you got to get out there and uh, push stuff, pimp oh, stuff, because otherwise you're not going to make any money off right, it. Right, exactly. But what I like is from show to show you get to talk about a different aspect and you get right. to say different things that you didn't say on the, the previous ones. Well, you know what I really like about the book, mm -hmm. uh, besides the stuff I've already mentioned, of the things there are to like about it was um, if you're interested in California history, 
It's wonderful. And I'm a California history fanatic. So it's just, it's fun to see somebody playing oh, right. with that. That whole, the whole San Francisco earthquake part. Um, you know, Juan oh, Cabrillo. because you, yeah, Cabrillo goes all the way back to that, to pre California history almost. And, uh, even such, such things as, uh, driving around Riverside and seeing things back then. Did you see like old pictures of the areas you were oh, writing God, about? Yes. Or? Yeah. I, um, I, there's this, it's that wonderful book series that's all around oh, the U.S. Yeah, of yeah, the yeah. local history books. Uh-huh. Gosh darn it. I, they, the ones that all have, something. they're like, for they're sepia tone yeah, covers. Yeah, all the usually. covers are sepia tone. Yeah, yeah. And what they do is they hire local historians, local authors, to write books about their local history. Yeah. It, it's a fabulous idea. And these yeah. books are just fabulous. Amazing. Just fabulous. Um, they're, they're, I've been hanging out with my trannies a lot. And I manage a couple of tranny performers, as you know. But that's, that's another show. Yes. And, and um, Walter is uh, Ed Wood. Uh, I'm everywhere. Reincor- reincarnated. I'm everywhere. By the way, Edward's um, girlfriend, Dolores Fuller, died yes. last week. Yeah, so now she's partying with Ed. Yes. On the other side with, uh, what's his name? The guy who does the intro. Criswell. Criswell. <laughs> um, so, uh, absolutely. I You know, the part local of, research. Part of the, pantheon, the Radio Mysterioso Pantheon of Gods. Yeah. Um, I had done a lot of the research for the nonfiction work. Right. But uh, there's all sorts of... And you of go to these places and just to, yeah. to look at them and see what... The, and for instance, the park, Urbita Springs Park, is now underneath a uh, shopping Inland Center Mall. Mall. Yeah. Inland Center Mall. A lot of people don't realize that that was, that was the Disneyland of, of California at one time. Yes. And it was in San Bernardino. Folks, I got news for you. People who make fun of the 909 in San Bernardino, it was once the garden spot of Southern California, and including well, Los Angeles. Yes. Well, they make fun of it because of the was once part. Well, every place is going to be a was once, yes. if it's not careful. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm somebody who likes to be in touch with history. I, I feel like somewhere out there, because of my philosophy of time, the past always exists with us, as will the future and th- th- that's a whole conversation that can be very mind-boggling. But um, it- it's easier, you know, to think of it in terms of the past. The past anywhere still exists. It's still reachable. You can still reach out and touch it if you know how to. This is why the whole time travel thing fascinates me because it's out there. What made you say that? Um, because we talk about the. You said the. You know, people say, well, this was once that, but it's not anymore. Or this person's a has been. Well, actually, if you knew how, you could step into the reality or, or, or step in. Time is a sphere, and if you know that, you know, everything's touching, and if you know how to just simply get there, you could go back to San Bernardino of 1915 and see what it was at yeah. any place. Did that come partially as you of us talking on the show over years and years? Because we've talked about this many times about my idea that if there's there is an every when and an everywhere that exists now and forever and into the past and if you just know how to access it, you can visit anywhere at any time. Well the one of the nights here that has has had when you say uh, sphere, it's sort of the same idea. Yeah, it's had a huge impact on me. Not like huge these are impact. not like these are original ideas. Right, but, but hey, you know, but one of the times here that's had a huge impact on me 
was um, a night that Bill Moore was here, and we had this conversation up at the House of Pies. Yeah, we didn't have it here. This is why people can say what they want about Bill Moore. My personal experience with the man was extremely enlightening. So I, you know, call it rose-colored glasses. What little I know of the guy and acquainted with him, he's good with me because he opened my eyes to an idea that has had just this tremendous impact on the nature of reality and time. And, you know, I can see why he's not interested in talking about UFOs anymore because basically there's so many more infinitely interesting things to talk about. And, you know, you're probably the only guy that would let him talk about it in a public forum. Everybody would want to, you know, yeah, you rotten bastard, you know, and Roswell and MJ-12. Well, he didn't even want to talk about it with me after a while. I was hanging out with Richard Saraday, our mutual friend here today, and um, he said, "Did you hear that? There's uh, recently there's been somebody on the in some of the radio shows um, talking about uh, confirming that there was some sort of crash at Aztec and seeing some sort of disc, disc shaped craft there and all this." I said, "Yeah, that's fascinating." And I said, "But you know what, Richard? So what? A hundred people could say that, and it makes no difference." Makes no difference to the society at large. Makes no difference to ufology. All it does is give a bunch of UFO people boners for about a month. I, you know, two things I want to say here. Number one is a question. Number two is that's the not to say people shouldn't get excited over it, but I don't care. I'm unfortunately, and it pains me to say it, and it makes me feel like this weird nostalgia. I don't care. Well, and, and to, to, that's what I want to say. Two things. One's a question. The other one's the answer. Number one is I ask. Why and and I don't and I I honestly sincerely don't mean to be insulting to anyone we know or anything, but I ask myself, why are why is anybody so damn fascinated with this alien thing anymore? And B, you know, the other part of that I is I know why. The, I mean, it's well, very the answer easy is, answer. It's the, a fascinating the, thing. Yeah, I know. And the answer is, well, they would ask, well, Walter, why are you fascinated with carousels that travel through time? <laughs> you know, it's like, well, okay, we all we each have what particularly turns us on. Okay, okay, right. I get it. I get it. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, I hope that I don't go around acting like, oh, you should be fascinated in this too. I say, hey, this is what I'm fascinated with. You want to talk about it? Great. But Yeah, honestly, well, to most people, time traveling with carousels and aliens from other planets are equally ridiculous. And I can totally see why. <laughs> <laughs> it has no revel, revel, little relevance, relevance to their lives. Yeah. I kind of um, like it that way. I'm I've gotten more in the school of thought that you, you, you know <laughs> I like what? that statement. I kind of like it that way. I, I think I do too. Yeah, I it, because you know what? Honestly, I don't want everybody interested in what I'm interested in. Yeah. Because w- when you when you bring the masses, you bring the mass stupidity. <laughs> uh, you know, and and so it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you go be interested in your flying saucers and all this stuff right. and I'm still interested yeah. in that. I'm interested in what you're talking about. I'm interested in Bigfoot. I'm interested in ghosts. I'm interested in remote viewing. I mean, I think all these things. And I'm going through periods just like anybody else. And at least you have an inquiring, you know, if you have an inquiring mind, you're going to be interested in different things at different times. I think you and I have probably intellectually and deeper than that accepted the likely reality of extraterrestrials for what are different whatever reasons. I so expect it, the likelihood of, uh, yeah. It, it doesn't, okay, I, so it'll I be a so what? a reality of strange things that actually do exist that are not hallucinations, hoaxes, or whatever people say they are. Yeah. 
um, that are not something that is not quite known yet. I believe there are. I believe there are unknown unknowns. Sure, <laughs> just like Dick Cheney said. But, but on the ET thing, <laughs> we've accepted the likelihood that okay, ETs exist. Yes. So to us, it's like big fucking deal. Okay, all right. You know? Yeah. And when they be, announce yeah, it, I think that's part of it. When they announce it, I'm going to tune in and watch the TV and go, oh, hey, hey, it's being announced. Yeah. Well, let's take a look and see what they're like. Let's see what the news is. Of course, we're all going to be excited, but it's just it's not the thing that you know gives me wood anymore and hasn't been for a while. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm, s- I'm almost sorry to say that I don't care about a lot of these things, but they they have they have borne no fruit to me. It's like running the same tape over and over, hearing the same song over and over and over and over and over again, and finally I'm tired of the song. It, it, and, I'd and, like to hear a new one. I might go back later when I haven't heard the song in a while and listen to it again. Maybe I'll hear new things in it that I haven't heard before. But right now I'm not hearing anything new in the song. Well, and, and that's the problem. Not to get off on a whole conversation about what's wrong with ufology. Well, but that, sure we that can. Is, that is one of the things that's, that's wrong with ufology. That's what my, my speech was a couple weeks ago in Albuquerque. There, there hasn't been anything substantially new. And until there is, you know, anyway. And I'm something new in, that's not like a fad of uh, drones or whatever that was. That was interesting, but... It faded away. Why? Because, for one, the sightings went away, whatever it was, or the hoaxers got tired of hoaxing it, or whatever. When they talk about UFOs being time machines, of course, that idea really thrills me. Um, when they talk, I like the idea of ultra-terrestrials, you know, interdimensional beings. That's more interesting to me. The, um, you know, I, okay, yeah, there, I, I, think, I think that there may be you know, intelligent beings living under the surface of Mars. And I have my reason for th- reasons for thinking that. Um, so to me, it's like, okay, big deal. There might be people living inside the moon. Okay, big deal. I have accepted that idea already. To me, what I'm trying to figure out is, what was this experience I had with these crows that started a few years ago and continues a little bit today? That, I think you've I'm described like, that sort of on the show. Do you want to describe it? Well, I, I've, I've, I've had experience... Within two or three days of my return from the San Francisco trip, in which I had this this mental uh, this uh, uh, burst, Down, tr- burst download burst of information, yeah. yeah. When I was standing as your a result, fi- your of Phil sta- Dick experience, uh, yeah, the result of standing on the ley lines at certain spots in the Bay Area, um, and 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 I well, one waking vision I did have with the eyes open that was really impactful was when I stood on Indian Rock. Any of you that are familiar with this, you can stand on Indian Rock and look across the bay at the city, across the water there. And I'm standing there looking at the view. And with my eyes open, I'm looking, but I'm also seeing the city burning. And it wasn't, oh, my God, a vision of what's going to happen. I, I was sitting there looking. I'm going, that's after the earthquake. This, now, remember, this is about a year before I started writing the novel, Okay. And I'm looking at this going, my God, I'm, look, I'm, I'm looking at the aftermath of the earthquake, 1906. Yeah. Um, and, and then within a few days after getting home, I, I had this crow, large crow, come to me. 
And what do you mean come to you? Like, well, I'm I'm sitting at the kitchen knock table. Knock on the door. I, and I hear a tap, a rapping. I hear a rap, rap, rapping at your chamber window. <laughs> at my chamber window. And I turn around. I've got this glass sliding door behind me, and and I, you know, it doesn't really sound like it's on solid. So I'm thinking, oh, someone is, you know, one of my smart ass sisters or whatever has walked up into the backyard and is tapping on the glass. So I turn around, and <laughs> there's nothing there. Shades of Poe. And I hear it again, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. That's, that can't be the front door. And then I see a shadow move above me, and I look up, and, and there's a skylight in the house. So I went, and I looked up through the skylight, and there it was, this crow tapping with its beak on the clear plastic. You know, anyone that's got a skylight knows it's the bubble type. Oh, so it wasn't frosted. You actually see through it. Well, it was kind of opaque. It was oh, okay. it's not frosted, but, you see, but yeah, you but can it, see the clearly shadow. a bird. Yeah, well, no, I clearly could see it was a bird. It just wasn't crispy, oh, okay. clean, you know, clear window. And um, so I grabbed a camera. Ah, how many times do people see something weird and they didn't think? To, I grabbed the camera. I have photographs of this crow, and I go outside, and the crow is just walking calmly towards me down the roof towards me, and stands there and looks at me. And so, I, you know, I, I'm kind of vaguely familiar with the lore, and, and, and I'm open to these things. So I'm like, okay, crow. What's up? Tell me. What? And it cawed. And then we had this exchange where every time I'd speak to it, it would caw, you know, kind of in response. Yeah. And then it flew to the top of the tree, and it sat there looking at me. And um, that uh, I got photos of it, and I would I would be quiet, and it wouldn't make a noise, and then I'd say, "Tell me, what? Show me," and it would caw, and you know this went on for a little bit, and then I began having these regular visitations of the crows, and no more crows. Well, it began to be three. <laughs> And um, they would come, they would call, I'd go outside, I'd go, okay, a crazy man standing up there talking to the crows, and they'd sit in the top of the tree, and I'd say something, they'd call. And um, one time I went over to the cemetery where some of my victims from the nonfiction book are buried, and um, the, you know, I'm just going to say it, the first time I went to their grave sites, I go driving in, and there's a crow sitting near Randy Rhodes's grave crypt. Who? Randy Rhodes. From uh, the guitarist? Yeah. He's buried at this cemetery in San Bernardino. I didn't know that. <laughs> and um, it's right as you go in. So this crow is there, like near that. And as I come in, I'm like, oh, there's a crow. I'm like, okay, crow, show me. And I basically went the direction the crow went. And yes... <laughs> The crow ended up finally stopping within just a few yards of the grave sites I was looking for. They're all True in the same story. area? Well, these two are adjacent to each oh, other. Probably it, they're the kids? No. They just died near the same time, so they're in the same area mm. of the cemetery. Mm, yeah, that would probably be the overt reason. Yes. I think there's something more to them being buried side by side, but that's another thing. Um, and that is probably one of the, the best stories I can tell you about the crows. But to me, Howard Stern, what do you mean by that? Do you want to talk about that, or is that something for the... What I want to talk about what? Uh, the Why reason for them, yeah. Um, I, well, when you read, when you 
when you get around, to, w- when the nonfiction book is released, because the novel doesn't go into this, when the nonfiction book is released, um, it explains there was all sorts of ceremonial magic going on. And um, I believe that, uh, I think, I want to say I think, because that sounds better than I believe. A lot of people believe in a lot of bullshit, but I think that um, my conclusion is that they were buried adjacent to each other for a ceremonial magic purpose. And I'll leave it at that until the nonfiction book comes out. There's a scene in the book in the in a quarry. Oh, yes. Is that the one we went to? Yes. Because by your description of it, because when mm, you first took it. me there, you were you were freaked out. In a good way. Yeah, I mean, you weren't. You I weren't was like, highly enthused. Yes, at what I'd found to the point where I, I was kind of going, Walter, Jesus. But the place was fascinating looking. Yeah, and, and, and it's 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 unique enough, and the name of it, right, which we I get into in the nonfiction right. book, right. Um, is a real huge flag and should be considered such. Right. Um, but yes, and I, I decided, you know, Seshery, he was saying, oh, you, you should change the name of the location or not. And, you know, I just decided, yeah, I'm going to go balls out with this, you know, uh, uh, F it, uh, fuck it. I, I'm just going to, in the novel, I'm going to, here it is. And okay, there well, it, it has is. a very significant yeah. role in the novel. You can go Have see you, this place. Yeah. Have you, it's in the middle of a bunch of orange groves. It's almost like time has stood still. Mm-hmm. However, and I remember because I got a couple oranges off the ground next to next to the uh, highway. Um, have you gone and done any research on who built the quarry, why, and what was done there? Of course. And did that make you more or less suspicious? No, more. Why? Because what what appeared to be what you thought. Well, let's take the name. I assumed it was a it was a you know had a, it was a Spanish name. Yeah. And then my research was, oh, no, no. No, it, it, it wasn't. Um, and the, the people who built the quarry um, are the ones who named it. And they're not Spanish at all by any stretch of the imagination. And it, not that, you know, a lot of places in California are named, you know, with Spanish names. And the, the people who named them are not Spanish speakers. I, I know that. But, and I, and I get into this in the nonfiction book. But the, um, the the quarry, it just it had a connection that, unless you dig deep enough, um, it's not overt. It's not apparent. And the physical structure of the quarry, plus all of these background details that we're talking about, um, the the what what do they say? The preponderance of the evidence, you know, just pretty much strongly suggests that my conclusion is has got some weight. Okay. Is that an answer? Yes, it is. I'm drawing a blank because the beer hit me in a funny way. <laughs> one beer. This is this is what uh, Greg. Good lord, old man. Nah, well I had a few earlier today. What? You looking at what what, what uh, Carlos uh, our our good friend Carlos, our one of our loyal listeners, is is listening. That's right. Um, there's not so many people listening to the show anymore because I haven't been updating the website. The website is stuck right now because I am trying to figure out how. To, if anybody has any suggestions, and I think I've said this on the show before, how to 
upload a, a file for podcast to a private server that is not password protected. Every time I try to um, link it to the Radio Mysterioso site, it mm-hmm. says password required. It's like, you should just be able to open the damn file up. I shouldn't have to have a password. So I've, I've got to call the server again for about the fifth time, try to get somebody else and ask them and go step-by-step step with me through it. But that, I want to try and do that this week before I leave. Yes. Um, by the way, uh, next week and the week after, there will be no Radio Mysterioso because I will be in Italy one Sunday and in Turkey the other. Actually, I'll be in Italy both Sundays because we're going to Turkey the next Monday. But anyway, um, so none for two weeks. And then when we come back, who have we got? I think we have somebody on coming back, but I can't remember who it was. Uh, no, no, I don't. Um, however, in the next couple of months, I'm going to have Richard uh, Dolan on. Uh, I saw him at the conference and I said, hey, Rich. I just finished, well, I, I read a while back, um, National, UFOs and National Security State Part 2, his second giant book in the trilogy of uh, uh, history of governments, U.S. government and the UFO subject. Um, there's a quite a few references in there to Bill Moore, Paul Benowitz, Doty, that whole uh, episode, which, as you know, I'm, I heavily researched. Um, and I told him, I don't know about the rest of the book, but I found some inaccuracies there, which I perceive as inaccuracies. And I know that you didn't just do these because you felt like that should be this way, but that's what you thought or thought was the common wisdom or whatever it was. I don't happen to agree. And I said, what do you think about doing an interview about your latest book after disclosure um, and this book and then taking another hour and debating the stuff that I think is wrong? Yeah, and he said, fine, I'd love to. He said, it'd be great. Maybe I'll learn something. Maybe you'll learn something. But whatever, we'll have fun. This is why, whether I agree with Richard Dolan or not, I I, I think he's a cool guy because he doesn't care if you disagree with him, really. Yeah, it's and and I I think anybody, most people, should reach a point. I think he's interested in accuracy. Yeah, when you research things, I've certainly learned in the last year how to not really care. Um. If people agree with me or not, I, I know that what I've found is what I've found. I know that what I've experienced, you know, that I've experienced those things. Yeah. And uh, well, it, you've it, talked about the tell yeah. no one thing. Yeah, and it, it but it's kind of hard to get to that point. Yeah. The, the 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 human nature, you know, is such you, that you want to share it with you've people. Been, you've been sort of quote unquote converted. You want people to realize what an amazing thing this is. If they haven't gone through it. They're like, huh. Yeah, and 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 it, 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 exactly, but n- the conversion is gone. And if now they to the did, they'd probably see it differently. Yeah, maybe um, slightly, uh, at least. But the my conversion has gone to the point now where it's like, okay, I can see the reaction I'm getting from a lot of people. So it it really is, it's a it's a touch of cynicism. It's kind of a to hell with it. Yeah, <laughs> you, you do. You, you in order to get where I'm at now, you have to go through a phase where it's like, okay, to hell with you all. Yeah. If that's the reaction I'm going to get the, the, between cold disinterest, where you can hear the crickets, or <laughs> or vitriolic venom, then screw it. You know why bother? Yeah. Read the book, or ask me personally. I'll be glad to talk with you. But right. you know, as far as getting out there and 
preaching a gospel of you know what I've experienced or whatever. Nah, forget it. It's not worth it. Um, yeah, you're not gonna. No matter what it is, unless it's something people want to hear in the first place, so they already believe in the first place, you're not going to convert anybody. Well, but also American society is going through a phase right now where the uh, the the acerbic know-it-all cocky smartass is kind of a a uh, archetype that's popular right now um in in american society uh we've always had those kind of people we've always had them but it's very and, and it's always been an element of entertainment to have that uh, yeah and and but i think right now there's more people that i would tend to agree with you that are aspiring to be that way they want to be the the smart ass that shoots everything down in their little circle of friends or the you know whatever the case may be yeah um it just seems to be a thing right now and sometimes they'll attack with you know with not really thinking, you know, about why they're attacking or what they're attacking, um, or they'll attack like in the in the wrong. You know. Well, the, yeah, the point is the attack, not what it's about. Exactly, exactly. The, the the point is, look at me attacking, and oh, don't I sound so witty and erudite attacking this person? Right. That's and and what it comes down to is the me 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 thing. Right. Look look at me, I'm a star, so to speak, because. Don't I just come off so funny and smart in my attack? Sophisticated and above and, it all. And all and that. Yeah, exactly. It's the whole I'm above it all. I'm, you know. So, you know, that's kind of out there. And in these kind of things like we're talking about we're interested in, you're kind of a sitting duck because, you know, you're kind of a sitting duck because it sounds nutty. Yeah, I mean, I people will lay down a huge load of bullshit on me. And as long as they're not trying to convert me, I don't really care. In fact... Sometimes I think it's just kind of funny, and I enjoy it. Um, and other times I'm just like, well, you know, I'm going to reserve judgment on that. Or other times I'll say, yeah, I've seen that too, man. You know, I, I can see where you're coming from, and I, you know, I will include, you know, I I inclu- include this in my my uh, general outlook. Uh, but you know, what if what if I I've gotten to the point where people who I used to not listen to. I've realized that some of them are fairly intelligent and I should listen to them whether I agree with them or not. Because it calls into question, if you listen to people that have a, a fairly good argument, it calls into question, you have to call into question your own um, assumptions and all that yeah. and conclusions. And if they hold up, fine. The guy's or girl is full of crap and they don't know what they're talking about. But if they if they sort of hold up or you don't have an answer for them, you might have to reevaluate. Yeah. So, and I don't, I don't think I have any problem reevaluating. It's no, just no. You're 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 one of the most reasonable and um, oh, this is nice. You will consider things yes. beyond you know a lot of people I know. Yeah, and then I have friends that are like that, but they go. I don't know. I try to like myself. I try to ride that excluded middle thing as much as possible for things that I can't make a decision on. Yeah. And I haven't made a decision on a lot of stuff. My only decision, like I've told you, I've made is there's some weird shit that we don't know about yet, and it truly is weird shit, and it truly does exist, and people truly do experience it, mm-hmm. no matter what it might be. And whether it's riding on carousels and traveling through time or being abducted by aliens or seeing Bigfoot or, or having your dead mother visit you in the, in the middle of the day while you're, you know, while you're staring into space. What I, find, so, what I find really interesting, this is one of my favorite things to think about, is, is um, the things that some people, the, the whole, the whole um, uh, factor of fear 
For instance, um, myself and another associate of mine who I'm not going to name. Oh. Um, you know the individual. Um, whereas we are have been discovering and the same phenomena going along the same path of discovery on the same phenomena together. This individual, he's generally afraid. He, you know, I can't do this. You shouldn't do that. It's all negative. It's all bad. Be afraid. Be afraid. Fear, fear, fear. Whereas me, I'm the one that's like, hey, if the portal opens, I'm going through it. <laughs> you know, if I, if I go to Disneyland, you know, one more time and uh, I'm on that carousel and the portal opens and I see Alfred again, you, you bet your ass I'm stepping through it. I, well, you're not working. Maybe I should give you cigarettes. Oh, but they look at the picture on the back. I talking? still have a pass. It's good till July. What or you, you can just take mine, but it's got my picture on it. Oh. I've got, we've got free Disneyland passes. I'm working, passes. Greg. I'm self-employed. I know. But <laughs> I don't want to have to pay for Disneyland more than once a year. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, I pay um, the 140 whatever and we go like five times. My son does that. He gets the annual pass each time. Yeah. But um, uh, And I don't know why. I just like it that at any point, if I feel like it, I can just go to, go there. Yeah. It's, well, Some people think it's stupid or it's fake or whatever. That's another one of those things. Fuck them. Yeah. You know, well, my, my explanation for that is you did not grow up in Southern California, specifically in Orange County. I did. Well, you know, we at also... At least for about 10 years of my life. And so I've got a different connection to that place than you do. And this is for the younger people. You, yes, it's okay to reach an age, a point in life where you really do 99% of the time quit thinking about what other people will think. It doesn't mean you just go willy-nilly and, and do what you want, r- regardless of the consequences. It just means, you know... Your couple- filtering system becomes different. Yeah, because, you know, it's like if we, if, if we like going to Disneyland at our age, screw anybody who thinks that's silly. Because there's, you know, because these are the same people who, uh, they do what I think is silly, and that's sitting on their couch watching hours and hours of basketball games on TV. Oh, yeah. for God's sake. You well, know. and then I'm interested in the history of it, and it's yeah. part of California. Yeah. And, you know, who did Walt uh, push out of the way to get that thing built? And, you know, yeah. all the way to esoteric considerations like Walter has, or, or even the, you know, the books on hauntings there, and even just the real mundane stuff like, why was this put here? Who's well, a member of Club 33? Yeah. Why is that there? You, you know, know what I find like infinitely, that. this is very How interesting. How many people have died on the rides? You know, it's just, it's just fascinating to me. Maybe mm-hmm. as a piece of history, that's still there. In writing Latitude 33, you know, I... I Plus Haunted I, Mansion kicks ass, it always I, has. I discovered that <laughs> people have these ideas about Walt Disney. I'm telling you, Walt Disney was not some dark occultist who was building a secret. First of all, the, the occultist guy who built is C.V. Wood, the man he hired to build the place. Walt himself was truly interested in building a great amusement park and making movies. Walt Disney was not a mason. I want to say it again. I will continue to say this. I keep hearing people say it and write it. Walt Disney was not a mason. He was not a member of any lodge. He was in Malay when he was a teenager, and after that, the association ended. And being Malay as a teenager does not a Mason make, okay? Um, but I, it's, it fascinates me that people still, you know, oh, the, the Walt Disney crap. Uh, I was just pointing at something. Uh, our oh, friend okay. uh, Robert Sterling sent me a link to the Jenna Hayes oil orgy. Oh, cool. 
but um, uh, again, if that portal open, if that portal open at, at Disneyland, I'd hop right through it. And to me, I don't know. Fear's not a part of that. I'm just not afraid of that. I'm not afraid of what's in the nonfiction book. I'm afraid, not afraid of anybody right? coming after me. I'd be afraid, but I'd still jump. Well, well. You'd you'd have apprehension. You'd have yes. anxiety. Okay. Apprehensions. But I would have fear concerns. to just flat out. I'm not going to do it. And and you know the same individual felt that I really shouldn't have written the nonfiction book. But my attitude is, no. There were serial killings, and I think that there were people involved that g- clearly got away with it. Um, and I don't think that's right. And that's really how I think as a criminal investigator. So I'm not really a guy who's any kind of occult researcher thinking that. That comes from having been a federal investigator, and I'm still a PI. And, you know, the uh, cops and robbers, good guys, bad guys, you know, the people who did that were bad guys. And even if it's 100 years later, if there's anything I can do to shed light on the perpetrators, yeah. that's what it's ultimately about. Here's, here's a left-field question for you, but sort of related to the last yeah. one. I recently had somebody say that they were looking for people, groups of people or friends or whatever, to stay in, quote-unquote, for a TV show, the most haunted place in the United States for like four or five days. And what is that place? They that, wouldn't tell that you. That sanatorium place that Maybe. always ends up on these? Maybe. Would you do that? They want you to do it alone? No, no, a group of people. Can I pick the people? Or do they pick... Well, you can pick your friends, yes. I said, yes, I'll do it. You going to do it? Well, they, I may never hear about it ever again, and it just may be something cool. that... And it might not happen. If, if I was there with... I, I, would, I would prefer if I could be there with someone I knew. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a group of friends can go. Yeah, or a family or something. Yeah. yeah, I'd do it. Yeah? What made you say, wait a second... For half a second. Oh, because if it was somebody you didn't knew, they could start screwing with you. Yeah. Well, even if they did knew you, they could start screwing with you. Yeah, but if you could pick the people, you'd pick people that right, you, right. You aren't. I think aren't they thought of that. that beforehand. So yeah, that I and what I mean by that is, I'd, I a would, group uh, of people you trust. I yeah, and trust in that we're interested in the same result. Yeah, and that is to to go there for the truth, like you said. Yeah. It's it's hey, if something happens, we're all there, we're like, whoa, we all agree something happened. But if we go there, it's like, okay, we all agree there's nothing to this, nothing happened, no bullshit. So that's I'd have to fight myself and I'd do it in a second. Mm-hmm. I'd have to fight myself between the unless something is physically harming me, yeah. there shouldn't be really any fear. There should be maybe there'd be right. some apprehension because you'd be startled or whatever. Yeah. But as long as something's not going to come in the night and slit my throat. Exactly. Which, as far as I know, in the entire history of paranormal investigation has maybe happened once or twice in the, you know. It has? Well, people have been physically hurt. They've been I don't set know about up slitting or, or, or a bad guy stumbles upon them and takes it. No, no, no. I mean, the, the, like, they'll, through whatever means, if you believe this, they will, you know, they will have, they will be struck. They will be thrown. Oh, oh, yes. Okay. In that would bother means. me. It would get your attention. Yes. But that's a whole nother level. If I'm not being seriously injured, and nobody really ever has been serious, well, I take that back. People have had broken bones and dislocations and things from things like that. Ouch. But as long as that wasn't happening, I think I might be all right with it because I tend to be clinical about that stuff, or I try to be. It's like, 
well, so what if there's something appearing in front of you or making noise or whatever? If it's not going to hurt you... It could be fascinating. Yeah. At least that's my intellectualization what, what, of it. What, what, if I'm what lying I, there in a sleeping bag in a room that's covered with graffiti and painted black for four days in a row... Yeah. Am I, I going to go nuts? In my head, Is somebody you know? else going to go nuts? Well, it's a good idea it, for a show. Yeah, you know, you're, get, you're getting into things that it, it, it's just like, um, just like the man in uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade says. You know, you know, it's time for you to decide what you believe, Dr. Jones. Yes. You know, um, Remember when we were at the lava tubes? Yes. And somebody said, oh, there's the lava tube, and we kind of went in, uh, or that we couldn't find another one. I went running over the hill to try and find another one. Right. Then I came back, and people were kind of stopped at the sort of this one area where they couldn't get through, and the ceiling was going down. I got down on my hands and knees and crawled through it mm-hmm. because I figured what's the worst that could happen. I might get bit by a snake or whatever. Now, see, those kind of things, you know, yeah, bitten by snakes or... But know. I figured if there was something down there, it might give me a fair warning and whatever. I was rationalizing. But the thing is, I crawled around for like literally like 10 seconds. And I came into this huge room. Yeah. Cool. The one with the little skylight coming out because yeah. there was a crack in the lava. Up and then there. we all followed you in there eventually. Yeah. And I felt like at that point I was doing something that made me feel really good. Like it was I was exhilarating. I went and did something. Everybody's going, whoa, whoa. whoa. And, I, and for once I went, I gotta see what the hell it is up a, there. It was a rite of passage. <laughs> it was a rite of passage. Well, I've done that before, but that time it just feel I, I felt like it was a little different than other times. It, I don't well, know why. because it, because there's there was something within you that and I've seen that, you do that, the same that thing that made that unique. What did what did I do that was I've never known. I've it. seen you do the same thing on other occasions, or oh. at least tell me about it. Or like you know the thing with the tunnels in South America. Shit, yeah, I'm going. Hell yeah, I want to do that. I want to do that. These tunnels that go on for I miles still and miles and miles. David's been in them. So yeah. He, you know, he said he'd been in there for a few hours. A few hours. So, you know, he, he'll tell you it's there, it exists. You know, go see it. And for people that know about this, they're in, near, uh, in Brazil, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, St. Thomas, Saint Tomas das Letras is a little tourist village kind of place and the entrance to one of these legendary tunnels is And the right tunnels there. are what? Like 5 6 feet high? No, no, no. They're about like 9 feet high and about the span of a man's arms. One wide. arm or two wide. Like, so like like 5 feet wide. Yeah. Yeah. And uh and Dave, lined, David said lined that, with flat. that they're not natural. They uh, yeah. appeared to him to be have been dug made through. And they're oh, old. so they're not lined with stones or anything, but they are. Not that I recall him. But they are very no. regular and go on for. Yeah, well, and he says the story is roughly this. And if I get the finer details wrong, I apologize. But basically, the Brazilian army had sent a patrol into one of these, and apparently that they had uh, walked in there for like a couple of days, maybe three or four days, is how I always remember it. And they found a larger room with three more tunnels going deeper into the, the the terrain, the earth. And because of their limit on supplies and water, they turned around and came back. That they mm. did not go farther than that. That's the story, as I recall. It would be fascinating to find one of the people that run that expedition and talk to them about. It. Even being yeah. more fascinating to go do it. Well, so. that and, and I was trying to set up an expedition. That's to go another do one. That I'm thinking. I'd say, yeah, in a second, I'd go. And then I'm thinking, would I go nuts? 
Well, if I, I was going to go nuts, but no, if I was going to go nuts, I'd say sorry. I freaked out. I am going back. I had two uh, retired Navy SEALs that were ready to go, um, guys that I worked with in Afghanistan, and they were they were ready. They said, "Hell yeah, we'll do this." They had they were familiar with David's works and they were into this stuff. And what would have been perfect was you know their security and medics. You know, I mean, they're trained field. Yeah, medics. exactly. And, and I'll tell you. Yeah, um, but the, the as Carlos said, the mole men, they, they don't care about that. They just zap you dead. That's right. Yeah, they got the laser zappers. And what my dad experienced in eastern Arizona in the late 50s, it doesn't matter that you got a cool, uh, you know, submachine gun. They can just turn you off like that. So if you want to read about that, get the Fate magazine publication, the hardcover book called The Best of Roswell, and it's in there under my pseudonym, EA Guest. And it's about what my dad told me, um, his experience with the underground people in Arizona. The Chud people. And I don't make any money off that book, so I'm not chilling something that I'm going to make money on. Well, why mention it? I mean, because the, because <laughs> the article. I know. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I get Because it's information and, and yeah. it's something that you th- wrote that you like. Maybe. And I don't want to rehash the whole story, you know. Um, but um, and anyway, uh, uh, which brings me back to the old California parts of my novel. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Um, we wander, but that's the nature of this show. Um, I had done some, come across some interesting stuff in my research about ancient California and the Chumash people. And um, that's in there a little bit. All I have is casinos now. Yeah, well, that's how they're making a living, God bless them. Yeah. I like that. Um, Yeah, me too. And um, it just really, really fascinated me, the stuff that I was coming across. There's this, you know, this ancient, the the, the center of worship for this very ancient god, almost Catholic. I mean, when you read this, you think H.P. Lovecraft, um, was on uh, Catalina Island, what we call Catalina Island. And um, they, there's some interesting, my nonfiction book gets into the Chumash Association. Really? Where on Catalina? Well, that I don't know the specific of. Did you ever go to Boy Scout camp on Catalina? I've never been to Catalina Island. I was at Boy Scout camp and they'd have, you know, around the campfire at night. Mm -hmm. They told us ghost stories. And of course they had to do with being on Catalina. Yeah. And one of them was about this giant man that lived in Ironbound Bay, which I don't even know if there's such a bay on Catalina. We could look it up. Yeah. Um, and it was apparently this giant that would come and like kill Indians and 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 conquistadors at night and eat them. And Do stuff. you remember his name? No, it was just the giant of Ironbound Bay. Well, this god I found that is mentioned in the book is a god called Chiningachinch. Yes. What was the name of Cthulhu's underground minion, says Carlos? Don't know. We don't know. Can't remember. Look it up. Look it up. Sad I should know that because I am, you know, a a, a fan of Lovecraft. Um, But that's why uh, the the reanimation sequence that Greg talks about, I don't want to go too deep into it. I'd rather you enjoy reading the novel. Um, That's why that's in there. It's a nod to uh, Mr. Lovecraft. You oh, the monster of Ironbound there Bay. There it is. There it is. By John W. Warman. San Buenaventura Mission, Southern California. 
well. Isn't that interesting? Yes. Wow, there's a lot here. I'm not going to read the whole thing I'm going to look that up when I get home. It, um, yeah, this is, sounds like the thing we were, we were uh, told in, in Boy Scouts. This is like the Boy Scout horror story. This was written in 1987. I wish I would have known about that. Like but um, ten I'm by years no means after I heard the story at, at, at Scout Camp. I'm by no means finished with investigating this stuff. There will be a second, you know, the nonfiction book, which is titled Empire of the Wheel, yes. which, again, I've written with Richard B. Spence, the author of Secret Agent 666. About Aleister Crowley in World War One, that Richard Spence. Yes, he and I wrote uh, Empire of the Wheel together, and there will be a second Empire of the Wheel because uh, there's more to the story, and I don't want to go into that here. Naturally, I want to write about it. Right. So um, I'm not done with all this stuff. There is another interesting figure from California history who I don't want to get into right now. But this individual, I believe, discovered something and knew something of these mysteries. Um, And I'm going to pursue that to see if I can maybe find any evidence to point to a possible conclusion as to what he found. Um some of it I got from my dad before he died because my dad used to work for Union Oil Company, which is Unical now. And uh, he had told me that in, that the oil men in the early 20th century, late 19th century, they learned a lot about some spooky stuff in California. Daniel Day-Lewis? Daniel Day-Lewis, yeah. <laughs> I, I drink your milkshake. Um, <laughs> And what's interesting is one of the figures in the nonfiction book... It's just what, funny. I haven't heard that in a while. That's, that's very good reference. Yeah. One of the figures in the nonfiction book was a man who used his ability to read the terrain, to read ley lines and such, for the oil companies. Yes. And um, They use map dowsers now, apparently. Yeah. Or he was, he on was the QT, they do. A dowser of a different ilk and um, an interesting guy. A very interesting guy. Um, so it's it really, I, you know, it, it really opened me up to a lot of a whole world of information and and stuff that I had no idea was there, lurking under the surface of history. Yeah, you know, right there at my grasp, and yet clues have been there all my life. Um, it's very, uh, very strange. You, you you could get into the possibility of, and I have intellectually, um, I am somebody who I have accepted the concept of of reincarnation. I've accepted that a long time ago. So I'm open to those ideas. And so naturally I have to wonder, because of the connection I've personally had to the area, is there some past life connection to this mystery, which is why I've been so... that could explain why I was just so drawn to it. Yeah. So fascinated with it. Well, uh, in the course of the novel, you put yourself right in the middle of it. Ex- you become involved, your character, with one of the main players yeah. in, the, in the story. Essentially, the- yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, he's, he's kind of me. I, I take real you, things from you, my life, yeah. and I, mm-hmm. I make you know, a better-looking, more heroic guy. <laughs> Um, but uh, I will say that I personally 
think I certainly felt it, but I, I, I think that I was likely haunted by the the female who is the central person of interest in both the nonfiction book and, and is a character in the novel. I suspect that she haunted me. How do you mean? For years, literally, for years, because I've had... Well, you mean after you started researching it? No, 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 no. I think she... You mean that I, I it don't was know the, when one it of the started. causative agents of you starting to... Yes, that uh, led to it. Um, I have consciously been aware of... Be, let me rephrase this. Weird phenomena, usually associated with haunting type of phenomena, has manifested itself from time to time for about 20 years in my life. Okay, 20 years or more. And um, it was consciously to me distinctively female for the last 12, 13 years. Okay, and um, it intensified over the last 10 years. And then when I began to write the nonfiction book and then subsequently the novel, it backed off. Um. Well, that might have been internalization feel, of something, too. I feel it was Maybe her. you saw into your own future and started looking at whatever. I feel it was her. Well, whatever. Whatever model you want to use. Um, if I, you said that model, I would have said the one you just came up with. Yeah. I'm contrarian. Um, so this is... this is. It was kind of... I guess you could say, you know, when people say this was, you know, a book I was meant to write, I guess these... These are the kind of things that go into that, that make one feel that way. Right. Um, and, and maybe that's why I was so fascinated with writing it. Maybe that's why I was so intensely involved, is simply because it jibes so much with my personal life that it felt spooky and ooky and, and all that stuff. Right. But, um, I think that's what makes it fun to read. It was I sure told Walter I started reading it. And I was like, okay, I got to read Walter's book. And then after about twenty or thirty pages, like, okay, this is very, this is pretty interesting. Then after about fifty, eighty pages into it, it became a page turner for me. But I had read the nonfiction work first, so I could see what was being played with. Um, as a novel on its own, I don't have the perspective to say coming into it cold what you would think. But I enjoyed it, and then about halfway through, I was just, you know, I was blazing through it. I've had a couple of glowing reviews from the other other people that have read it. And it is written like 40s adventure fiction. Yeah. It, it really is. The one, Oh, you know what? There's only maybe one or two problems I had with it. Sometimes period characters say things that I don't think were in common usage in language. Like? Till, like um, pissed off or kiss my ass or something like that. I, 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 you know, I wasn't sitting there going with a little pen going, but a couple times I was like, <laughs> well, that you person know, wouldn't say that. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that because somebody, I like to write about things in the past and, you know, I, I, with a couple of keystrokes, I could look up, you know, what is the origin of the term pissed off? You know, maybe they didn't say it in, in 1906 or 1927, but, um, you know, uh, uh, it, uh, you know, it works dramatically, and it it it's it speaks to the modern audience. You know, I I could do a bunch of research and find out um, exactly what they said to mean pissed off, or I could just write pissed off, and the reader's going to get it, and on we go with the rest of the story. So it's one of those things that you know, and you and I know you understand this, but this yeah. is for the benefit of the listeners. 
You know, that it's just a, a choice you make. It, you know, you know how they say you choose your battles. It, you know, it's the same kind of thing. You know, you you choose what you're going to be a stickler on in the research, and you yeah. know, and then you go on with the rest of it. Um, I uh, the the parts I especially enjoy writing. There were certain personal parts, like I, you know, I wrote about. Um, there, there's an old relationship in this novel, and uh, there's certain aspects of that that I really enjoyed writing. Um, usually describing how that person used to make me feel. And, um, I, you know, and I, I got to admit, if that person, if she walked in the room right now, you'd, you'd probably notice that I'd be a little tongue-tied and I'd probably turn red or whatever because she will probably have that effect on me for the rest of my life. <laughs> Even though, you know, there's yeah, you know, no what, reason. You know, everybody has supposed those. to be together, that kind Almost of thing. Almost everybody has that kind of person. Uh, you know, she she's the one that would just, I would just get all blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yes. You know, I'd be, you know. No, I've, I've had women at certain times in my life had that effect on me too. And as a writer, it's a beautiful thing. And sometimes... Oh, yeah, I women who you, I notice you mind that feeling for some of the things oh, in the book. Oh, it works, and that's why you know you get into subsequent relationships, and sometimes women don't understand. You must still be in love with her. Oh, no, no, no! I'm able to reach back. That's turn why that I on. said at certain times in my life. Yeah, I don't. I do not know if the person walked in or whatever, whoever walked into my life now, if I'd have the same reaction. I might at first. Oh, I know. Then I I'd realize. Oh, wait. There's all this history, and that person's different now, and I'm, I'm nostalgizing something that happened, whatever. Or maybe it would still be magical. I don't I know. I was awkward. But I don't know the person anymore, and she got married, and she's probably living on the other side of the world now. I hadn't seen my first wife. And, and I, I would not be who I am, and I would not be talking to you if yeah. I had kept up with her. I had not seen my first wife in 20 years, and a couple of years back, we she was in the area, so we went and had dinner. And I, I can honestly say she looked pretty much the same, which is a compliment. Yes. I mean, you know, she looked good. And I was kind of uncharacteristically, I think, kind of quiet and subdued. I wasn't my full swagger self. Um, yeah. Because, you know, it was, it was an interesting experience. It was, I, I guess what it was is she made an impression enough that I wanted to make a good impression, so I yes. didn't know what the hell to do. Yeah. Well, um, the, then there's an ego thing. You want to, You don't want to let them. You don't want. You want to make them think or know that you're. You've gone on and you're doing. That really didn't cross better my mind because after no. 20 years, they pretty much know you've gone on. <laughs> I would hope. Well, I but, mean, um, but it's it, like going to a reunion, you know. Yeah. Well, when I went to, I've been to one reunion, my twentieth, and I, I more, went to it, mine. I hated it. Well, the the, the female, the female in San that, Diego that talked to me and came up, oh Walter, blah blah blah, would never have spoke to me in high school, but they were talking to me and oh hi, blah blah blah. Really? The I had the like, sa- oh, okay. it was in the exact same position twenty years later, so I was in high school. Really? Certain people would talk to me, certain people would not, and it was just like. High school. Well, I found like, them. Jesus, you people are twenty years older. No, well, the men. Are you people insane? I found that the men postured the way no, they did. The women That's did what with I me found. too. I, Until... I found the women were different. The women were more open, probably because a lot of them married these assholes, yeah. and after twenty years of their shit, yeah. they're probably like, "Hey, Until... any any other guy, please give Until me attention." I asked them what uh, they were doing and if they were happy. That mask fell right off. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying, you know, the the ones that are like, you know, hmm. But, uh, and I didn't, at first I was like, huh, huh. And then I thought, well, actually, I've made these people open up. 
which is better than having them figure. You know, I don't want them running the same program again. One, because it irritates, annoys, and makes me sad. Yeah. And uh, two, because you know, why should they be doing that? So I thought, hey, let's update this and say, what did you be done with your life? And over half of them were not happy with their lives. Right. Yeah, and and what, some of them that. were well. Some of them were honest about it, and they opened right up and said, and they told me all these details I did not want to hear. Like, you know, this person pisses me off, and then, and then I tried to do this, and I was selling this real estate, and this guy got in my way, and I was like, anyway. But the thing was, they shut off that old program as soon as I asked them if they were ha- what they were doing and if they were happy. And then some of them, you could tell they were blustering, and they really did hate what they were doing, what they're trying to overcompensate. Yeah. Another one said, everything's great. I actually do like what I'm doing right, right. now. It turned out pretty well. There was, there was one guy, this... Talking why are you about being this, such a dick to me? Talking about this brought to mind, there was this one guy who uh, was, was kind of an arrogant dick when we were in high school, and I still got that vibe off of him. Yeah. And as I was well, walking in... who you are in high school is kind of who you're going to be. Yeah. As, as I was walking in, he was arriving. Yes. And, and I don't know if this woman he was with was his date, his wife, or whatever. She was considerably younger than him. She was a very exotic-looking, long black hair, some type of, ah. you know, very exotic. Hired and her for the evening. Beautiful girl. Beautiful <laughs> woman. And as we walked in, you know, I saw him. I recognized him. I saw her. So as we got close enough, I looked him in the eyes. Didn't speak. I looked him in the eyes. Then I looked her in the eyes. And I totally up and down. I fucked her. Smiled. Then looked at him. Walked back. And walked right in without saying a word. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was just the best way to deal with those dicks is just, you know, it's like, it, it, I know there's some people say, oh, this sounds like a childish asshole, blah, blah, blah. You know what? Screw you. I didn't do anything overt. Whatever. Just, I was, I was yeah. yeah, I was trying to opt out of the game somehow. You know what's funny? We had a, a reunion of my, somebody, I don't know who had the idea, but had a reunion of my elementary school. Completely different. Everybody well, yeah. was totally cool, really nice. And it's pe- some people I went to high school with. Oh, well, my son, um, we moved around so much when I was a kid that, um, you know, my son has had that experience of the people he was in. I know this has nothing to do with the esoteric. uh, Well, I'm going to jump back to that here in a second. But um, thank you. Thank you. I'll do it now. Um, One of the reasons why I wrote this woman from my past into this novel the way I did was that I have written about her before. And when I wrote about her before, I kind of turned her into a villain. It was <laughs> it was after we uh, we broke up, and um, uh, so I villainized her, and I didn't expect it to have. I mean, she kind of it was. I mean, she didn't get angry with me or anything. It's it wasn't that kind of you know. It just worked dramatically. So I felt like I owed it to her <laughs> to make up for that. So yeah, she's yeah. D- virtually idolized in this novel, and I don't want to say too much about what happens. You know, but um, she's virtually idolized in this uh, new novel, and I hope that makes up for it. Why would people want to read this book, Walter? Because make a pitch. It's it's a good, fun, romantic as hell read. I mean, seriously, all joking aside, all my curmudgeonness aside, it's it's it's. uh, Here's the funny thing: women tend to like my writing, my fiction writing. And and there, there's this is a big romance. It's a big fat romance. If you love somewhere in time, you will definitely want to read. I will see you in time. Mm. Um, it's got some action. It's got some you know adventure elements. 
um, you know, time travel, um, you name it. Um, but also, there's a lot of fact in it. There's a lot of, you know, my personal experiences and um, uh, both esoteric and, and just, you know, plain old dramatic life stuff in there. I, I really put my heart into this novel. This, this thing is a product of um, some very deep things I've gone through. So it's not just something that, you know, is, is a quick knockoff airport read. Um, I really tried... And, and and this is the first fiction, by the way, that I've published under my real name. This is not this is not the EA Guest stuff. If you've if you've read or heard about Secret of the Amazon Queen or Tropic of Despair or the EA Guest stuff, this is not that. This is this is pretty much general audiences can read this yeah. book. And it shows that you've been writing fiction for a while because it flows. It flows in a way that makes me jealous. So. If you've been interested at in all or, or, or teased by my teasings of the nonfiction book that's coming out, Empire of the Wheel, you'll want to read this to get a taste of some things that will be in Empire of the Wheel. It's kind of a preview. Yeah, it's weird to try and think of it reading the other way because I, yeah. I read it with nonfiction first and then the fiction. But um, and and it's it's I'm getting good reviews from people that and we're talking people that I wouldn't think would have liked a book like this because of the heavy romance element. Yeah. But there's one guy in particular that's got a similar background to mine, you know, with the the law enforcement and stuff, and he just really, really, really liked it a lot. He loved it, you know, from beginning to end. Was that? Uh, does he live in Sunland? No, that's Kevin. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Kevin? So, yeah. I didn't know he had a similar background to you. Oh, yeah. He's a former um, police investigator and police officer. I didn't know that. He doesn't talk a lot about it. Kevin Smith. Yes. Huh. But also he was an international police oh, okay. kind of thing. So, um, you know, traveled around the world and stuff. But yeah. He, he really liked it. And um, so, you know, it's got something for everybody. It really does if you, if you like a good read. But, again, if you're a fan of, um, you know, Jack Finney's work, of course, if you're a fan of Somewhere in Time, um, I think. And, and, you know, and I'm not – I'm saying that because when I started to write this, I told myself I want to write something that's in that tradition. I really uh, – Jack Finney started it about 10 years before um, Matheson wrote Somewhere in Time. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Matheson's book just is a masterpiece of the genre. The only and thing I know about Matheson is all the Twilight Zones he wrote. Yeah, that's the Richard Matheson we're talking about, of course, yeah. for those who don't know. Um, who wrote quite a few. Oh, yes. Some of, of the, the best Twilight ones. Zones. Yeah. You know. Um, and, and exactly. That <laughs> he was wrote the, the tr- Man on the Wing of the Plane one. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Shatner, you know what I want to see? And I, I don't want to go off on a tangent. I just want. They to also do the other Shatner one with the, with the devil in the yes, town. With the, yeah. oh, that's excellent. Um, or that might have been Harlan Ellison. I want to see. I, I want to see the, 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 the fortune telling devil. I want to see a movie with these two actors because one of them has, I think, decided to take the other one's model for this stage in his career, and it's working beautifully. We got to see a movie with Shatner and Alec Baldwin together because they're both riffing on themselves in the yeah. same way. Yeah, Baldwin. Is is I think has gotten better since he's gotten yeah. older, thicker, and now he's like, screw it, I'm going to be funny. Yeah, but I want to see these two guys. And I think uh, in a movie, I think Shatner's based in his entire his entire acting style on Orson Welles. You know, with digital. Hey, I, I want to ask this question, and again, not to go off on the tangent in four minutes, but 
We can think go about this. over. It's okay. The next show hasn't come in in months. Think I don't think of, there is a next show. Think about this. Why? And and I'm sorry. I don't want. I've heard all the arguments against it, and I still stand on this question. Why have we not seen a new Humphrey Bogart, John Wayne, or Cary Grant movie? Now, goddamn it, they'll they'll spend four hundred gazillion dollars to do this 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 Avatar. Because I think they're sacred cows, and people. Well, get screw mad. the sacred cow thing. Go to the estate and say we're going to pay you five million dollars, but we want to do a new John Wayne movie. In fact, we want to do a movie. With John Wayne, Humphrey Bogart, Clark Gable, and Cary Grant, and throw in, you know, uh, uh, Ava Gardner, and, and, and let's see it. Come on, Hollywood. It, it can't be any worse. It, it'd be better than the shit you're putting out now. Remaking Spider-Man, a movie less than 10 years old? Oh, yeah. for Christ's sake. But anyway, um, back to time travel. Um, you, you know, that's one of the things I might do if I could travel through time is go back and be around like... My and heroes killed, from old Hollywood. And, and killed George <laughs> I, Bush with a shovel? I mean, George Bush. George Lucas with a shovel? No. no that was the I would Pat just, Noswalt thing I, about really oh, hating oh, the, the, okay. the I might whisper in his to, ear. But, uh, don't do it. No. I want to go back and meet and hang out with like Marion C. Cooper. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Uh, uh, John Ford. Um, you know, uh, uh, John Huston, you know, when he was younger. Um you know, I, it, it, to me, that really, would be I want to hang out with UFO. Con- I want to go to a, a giant rock convention in 1958. I'd do that too. I think that'd be one of the first places I'd go. Um, did you enjoy the coming back to my novel um, with this time travel? Oh, thing? okay. I, I don't. I, again, I don't want to reveal too much. But did you enjoy the little part where he and his lady uh, kind of hit the decades? Did you notice? That, oh yes, that yes. was a touch that I particularly enjoyed. And that was I, a, that was a, it would be a it's a fun relationship date kind of thing. Hey, this this date, why don't we go to? Yeah, and 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 I yes, I did like that. I, I uh, that was one where I specifically made sure that if they went to see something, there's one particular thing they do, and that individual was in that place that year that 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 date. And uh, I don't want to say it on air, but... uh, I'll have to look. Because it's a little gem in the book, and um, I try to... uh, I tried to season it with those those little things. And then also how he meets... You know, he meets famous people in history. He he encounters them. Yes, yes. He encounters Walt Disney with his daughter. Yes, yes. At one point. Um, Isn't she on a carousel? Yes, she is. (laughs) And um, he encounters... In Griffith Park. In Griffith Park, yeah, and uh, you know he encounters. Uh, and this is before Walt Disney was Walt Disney. He was just no, no, no. He was Walt Disney, but this was before. This yeah, it was, was before the park. Yeah, this was when he was having his experiences that started making him think. You know what? I, I want to build this amusement park. Yeah, you know. And um, the the author encounter. I'm sorry, the author, the 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 hero encounters um, a couple of famous authors from the past. Yeah. Um, I'll name one. I'll let you figure out the other one as you read it. But Talbot Mundy, for the adventure fans, yes. you know, well, the, you know, he encounters Talbot Mundy. Um, I think Wyatt Earp shows yes. up briefly because yes, Wyatt he Earp does. has a history in San Bernardino. Yes, uh, he has a heavy set Southern California history. This is where he came after uh, Tombstone. Mm-hmm. Went to San Diego, I believe, first. And, and actually, the family lived in uh, the Yucaipa area before when he was a teenager. Really, they owned a ranch. Yeah. And then they moved back. Like that's that's why they had the connection, and that's why they would come here. Oh, cause, okay, because it was they were familiar with the area. Um, Virgil, 
Virgil? Yeah, Virgil was the constable of Colton. Huh. He was buried in Agamonza Cemetery. When I was a little kid, my dad used to always, I'd be out and about with my dad, and we'd go past Agamonza, and it's like, hey, that's where Virgil Earp Where's Wyatt Earp buried? Um, Pasadena? Wyatt, I can't remember where he's buried. Uh, you can look it up. Probably is someplace like Pasadena or something. Because he died in Pasadena, I think. Yes, and, and there were famous movie stars at his funeral, and Tom Mix wept. Openly. That was at the end of Tombstone. Yes, yeah, uh, and, uh, and uh, Robert Mitchum told you about it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tom uh, Mix wept openly. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So, no, seriously, though, anyone that... I, I, I read the novel, because I, I really put a lot into it, and I think um, you'll enjoy reading it as much as I enjoyed writing it, and it is different from my other fiction. Yes, and and I honestly enjoyed it. Actually, so, did. It's uh, I'll I'll plug the locations again. Yes, Am- please. Amazon dot com is a Kindle book. Oh, by the way, I want to say this: if you don't have to have a Kindle machine to read Kindle books, um, you can you can uh, read uh, uh, Kindle books on your iPad. Um, all you got to do is download the software, I believe. Yeah, it's free. Yeah, it's I've got free. Kindle on and, it, and it's free. You just go there, you get the Kindle software. Yeah, they, for free. they want you to buy their books. Obviously, they're going to exactly. get out the, the exactly. App for free. So you don't have to have a Kindle machine. Um, Amazon.com Kindle uh, book, and and as of this week, it's at Lulu.com Print on Demand for those of you who really want it printed, and it's uh, discounted right now, twenty percent discount. So it's very affordable. It's a six by nine trade paperback, mm-hmm. and um, I get the feeling that are that people who are reacting against electric ebooks. No, no, I just want to the printed book. I think it's cool. It's like you're saying that because you think it's cool, right? What well, do you honestly really want more junk in your house? Some people do. I, it's Books funny. Aren't junk. You know, you've seen my place. Books aren't junk. No, they're not. But you've seen my place. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's like you, half books. Yeah, that's right. You you do appreciate books. I'm with you. I love books. I appreciate books. But you know what? I'm digging this electronic thing. Clearly, as a publisher. Yeah. You know, but but it, I I think it's. I am cool. not going to buy any more hard copy books unless, and I've said this before, they are rare or first edition or something. Really? Or and or signed. There's some books that. I like, like how they're put together physically, like what, and I yeah, want a copy What I physically of want a copy of Naked Lunch signed by William Burroughs or an e-book. Well, shit, yeah, I want the physical copy of Naked Lunch signed by William but Burroughs. But as a publisher, when I see somebody has put together a volume that's really nice, you know, the cover's nice, and it just... Oh, yeah, as an object. As an object, books are very beautiful. Yeah, but but I, I totally agree with you that, you know, just as a read, why not read it electronically? I mean, yeah, I will read, you know, uh, Shadow Over Santa Susanna by, by uh, Adam Rightly. Um, as an ebook, I would love to read it as an ebook. But then um, your next publisher, Scott, has put to, put together agent. a beautiful agent, a beautiful, um, lovingly prepared hardbound. Oh yeah, of, version of, of, of it Adam's because book. he's yeah because yeah. he's a bibliophile. He's a book person. Yeah, that shadow and I, and I would much rather nice. have that than the and plus he signed it for me and everything. But I'd much rather have that than the uh, than an ebook of that. Right. But if that's all I could get, or I didn't know Adam. Or I didn't care You'd so much. You'd probably just read it electronically, right? Yeah. Sure. Oh, oh, I said where you could get the book. I want to remind hey, you. The go t- ahead. The yeah, title please. is I Will See You in Time. That's the title. I Will See You in Time. And um, it's under Walter Bosley. But, um, uh, yeah, I just wanted to get that title in there. All right. 
Walter, thanks so much for being here and giving me the trip advice at the beginning of the show that everybody had to wait through. We've got more listeners now than we did at the beginning of the show. That is nice. Oh, good. Writing Mysterioso will not be here next week or the week after because I will be out of the country. That's right. In Italy, you lucky bastard. And Turkey, I have not also. been out of the country in 15 years or more. Oh, my gosh. Well, I thought you know, I was wait, hurt. Wait, wait. I years. went to Nova Scotia to work with Paul uh, Kimball two years ago. That counts because you were physically off the continental yes. you know, mass. So. Well, I was physically out. Of, I was on the continental mass because Nova Scotia, I don't believe, is Is it connected? Uh, I thought Nova Scotia was an island. I don't think so. Uh, okay. I'm an idiot. I was there for like a month. But it's a cool place. Yeah. Well, it's the eastern side of the Bay of Fundy. And the Bay of Fundy is closed, so Nova Scotia is not an island then. Because if we went to the other side of Nova Scotia, Bay of Fundy was right there. I didn't think it was connected. Anyway, it's a fascinating place with a history that it'd be cool to spend like a month there and have like Paul take you around. and and Yeah, he he did a little bit, which was really cool. He took me to a few places. uh, Especially if you're into Templar history and Sir Henry the Navigator and all that. Oh, yeah. There's some cool shit there. And then uh, June... I know what's going on. Paul is coming out here to house sit yes, for he us. Yes, he is. And take care of the kitty. And he is going to stay. So we are back on June 3rd. Okay. And I will be coming to do my show on June 4th. Jet lagged out of my mind. And Paul is coming with me. Paul Kimball will be live here in the studio on June 4th. Excellent. Is that a Sunday? It's either the 4th or the 5th. i got to be here. Three weeks from tonight. Yes, please. And... Um, I was going to play uh, Happy Wanderer because I thought that'd be a good song. Yeah, very good. <laughs> and then House of Pies for us. Yes. Remember, well, any local listeners are always welcome to join us at House of Pies yes, after House the of show. Pies. Um, I've played this before, but I thought it's appropriate for the end of this show. There was a show in the 1950s and 60s called The Happy Wanderers. They used this song as their... <laughs> as Seriously? Their theme. I love and, this. Yeah, Huel Hauser did I a show I learned it in third it. grade. Yeah. And they were from L.A. The man, the, the husband, wrote, wrote the travel column for the AAA magazine. Oh, cool. Okay. And he, they would drive around the country with a, with a Super 8 camera, or a 16-millimeter camera, and a sl- small crew, and a sound recorder. And every week, they'd come and show you their home movies of where they went. Now, that's cool. There is one shot, which I saved... Um, they went to the racetrack at Death Valley, and apparently they saw a wild burrow there. And there's a picture of them driving this, like, 1956 station wagon on the racetrack playa where you cannot drive now with this burrow running next to them. Oh, excellent. <laughs> excellent. Oh, he, he's, uh, he sings it in German, but he also sings it in English. This is a great album. He also sings It's a Small World and Yodels. Yeah. Oh, I love yodeling. Yeah. How can you not like listening to yodeling? It's so fascinating. You, you've got to be, you've gotta be the, the biggest asshole if you don't like yodeling. I think so. <laughs> of course, I grew up with a dad who, who owned every Slim Whitman album. Oh, well, of course. I mean, and then it's in your, it's in your uh, genetic makeup. Yeah, I grew up with Slim Whitman. <laughs> I see. I can't even say the name without laughing. Yeah, he it used to he used to just roll his eyes because we <laughs> we couldn't 
we couldn't say the name Slim Whitman, me and my sister, without <laughs> laughing and making a joke about it. Ah, very funny. I'll have you know that he's a top-selling artist in England. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. Every album. No. I'm not kidding. I, seriously. My dad was a serious Slim Whitman fan. <laughs> oh my god well, That's why we went to see Close Encounters And that, that scene on the bridge Where the UFOs go flying through the, the toll gate On yeah. the uh, turnpike um, The song Love Song of the Waterfall Is on the radio And oh. we hear that And we just start cracking up My dad was like Oh shut up <laughs> Speaking of Slim Whitman uh, Oh please yeah, You gotta have some I have one Slim Whitman Drifting along with a tumbling tumbleweed. Oh, tumbling tumbleweed. <laughs> you, you literally have everything. I have one slip, Slim Whitman, and this is it. I can get you the rest. All right. I'll take it. It's all in vinyl, though. My sister has his uh, collection. I can, uh... I'm sure she treasures it. She's the one that maintains the dad shrine after he was murdered. Oh, okay. I ride along and hum this I don't know if he yodels in this. He bust. Does he yodel in everything? He, I know he does the... I think he does the... Ooh, falsetto. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm intimate. I, I grew up with this. Which is kind of cool. It's so corny. Yeah. That, yeah. And it's not that the guy was bad. No. For his style of music, he was excellent. I don't like how he parses out the drifting along with the tumbling, tumbling, tumbling leads. I, I tend to like the the, the sons of the uh, pioneers. Yeah, because it's drifting along with the tumbling, tumbleweed, but he doesn't. There. There you go. Oh, this takes me back. Four years old. <laughs> oh, hell. I grew up with this. Oh. I know when night is gone. And my dad knew all the words to his Yes. Uh, this, Love Song of the Waterfall, well, Harbor this Lights. Is a, you know, obviously, this is actually Gene Autry. But. Like he's just fitting it in. There you go. Sounds like a ghost. <laughs> you know, the kind of ghost in a sheet. <laughs> There's yeah. an idea. I'll write a story about a ghost that Drifting sounds like Slim Whitman. Drifting along with a tumbling tumbleweed. <laughs> oh, so good. Exactly. Drifting along with a tumbling tumbleweed. Here 
nearly midnight. It was dark as it could be. Dark as it could be. When all at once I heard the sound of music from afar. That good old country music of a fiddle and guitar.